What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. The Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots to go to 6-2 and two on the 2020 season. And we've got questions about that, the defense, the running game, all sorts of stuff in today's Q&A mailbag. It's also the NFL's trade deadline as you're probably listening to this on Tuesday. So just know that the Bills haven't made any trades as of right now, but if they do, we'll have some breaking news podcasts coming into your feed at Buffalo Rumblings. As always, you can call into our show, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. Without your questions, this show is boring. You can send us Facebook messages or Instagram messages at the Buffalo Rumblings account, and they'll get to me. You can email us, Rumblings at sbnation.com. Plenty of ways to get in touch with the show, ask your questions for next week's episode, and every episode beyond. As we always do during the season, let's start with my takeaways from the game. With nine and a half minutes left, I wrote down which team is going to make the bigger mistake. And I thought for a minute it was going to be the Bills. When Josh Allen found Gabe Davis in the end zone, it wasn't a great throw, but it was good enough where Davis should have caught that 100 times out of 100. It went right through his hands. He was His feet were set. It was it was a catchable ball that an NFL wide receiver should catch. And uh, instead, it fell to the turf. The Bills kicked a field goal to take the lead and give the ball back to the Patriots. And, and New England had a chance to win the game at the end because of that drop. And New England was driving. They were in Bills territory when ultimately, with 31 seconds left, Justin Zimmer knocked loose the ball from Cam Newton, the Patriots quarterback. Dean Marlowe fell on it, and, and the Bills were able to kneel out the clock from there. So that ended up being the bigger mistake, but I really wasn't happy when Gabe Davis dropped that ball because I was sure that my heading was going to come true, and the biggest who was going to make the bigger mistake was going to end up being the Buffalo Bills on that drop touchdown pass. The run defense struggled again against the New England Patriots, and the Bills activated Trent Murphy and Harrison Phillips after the last two weeks, putting them inactive as they were trying to deal with the passing attack of the New York Jets and, more importantly, the Kansas City Chiefs the week before that. So they they put a bunch of guys in the box. They ran a ton of one-deep safety and put 10 guys close to the line of scrimmage, and it still wasn't enough to curtail the Patriots' running attack. Damian Harris, who? Damian Harris topped 100 yards rushing. The Patriots went for 188 on the ground um, at more than 5.5 yards per carry. 
and when the bills were making it such a focus, that shouldn't have been the case. Um, the number one indicator of running game success, as Bruce Nolan often talks about on the Bruce exclusive, the number one indicator of running game success is the number of people that the opponent has in the box. And with Buffalo having 10 guys close to the line of scrimmage and one deep safety, New England shouldn't have been able to run at 5.5 yards per carry. Uh, it's why I really want the Bills to procure a one-technique defensive tackle, either uh, in via trade or on the free agent market, whether it's a guy like Don Tari Poe who gets you know healthy and in shape, or they trade for a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson. It's why I think it's the number one need on their team. On the opposite side, the rushing offense finally did a good thing. Um, they averaged six yards per carry with the running backs. Singletary, Devin Singletary went for 86 yards. Zach Moss, 81 yards. Uh, Josh Allen added uh, 23 yards on seven rushes with his kneel, plus his kneel downs. Um, all of Buffalo's touchdowns came on the ground. It was just it was a nice day for the running game. And we can say that it was because John Feliciano was back if you really want to. But really, it was because the Patriots had six defensive backs on the field all the time. Remember, I just said the number one indicator of running game success is the number of people in the box. Well, if the Patriots have six defensive backs on the field on 93% of the snaps, and actually it was a little bit higher than that, um, it should be easy for the Bills to run the ball against them. And that's exactly what they did. So the Bills took advantage of that. So I really don't want to hear about Josh Allen not throwing for a gajillion yards or not finding receivers 10 yards down the field when the Bills took exactly what the Patriots gave to them and did it really effectively. I nerded out when Bill Belichick called that onside kick, uh, and I wrote about it uh, in this article. Uh, I think it was a great call when the Patriots tied the game at 14 apiece. Uh, The Bills weren't expecting an onside kick. It was a chance to get his offense kick-started, knowing that his offense hadn't been scoring very many points and very many touchdowns. You can give them a short field and give them an extra possession. So I thought it was a really brilliant move by Bill Belichick to do the onside kick. Now, it was equally brilliant of Tyler Medikevich to attack and catch the ball off the hop and secure possession for the Bills. I think it was a great chess match. I really applaud Bill Belichick for calling the onside kick or okaying the onside kick. And I really, really applaud Tyler Medikevich for having his head on a swivel and being aware enough to catch that onside kick and, um, and down it for the Bills to have that possession. Moving later into the game on the fourth quarter goal line series, um, the Bills drove it to the five as the third quarter expired. After the quarter break, the Bills came out with a quick snap to Zach Moss, who got a first down, and then went straight back to the line for a QB sweep. Clearly, they were called as a package, and they tried to get into the end zone and catch uh, New England off guard. Uh, It was a good plan. Uh, It didn't result in them scoring a touchdown, but it was a really good plan. Um, On third and goal, they ran empty set. Josh Allen, even though the Patriots knew the play was coming, you could hear them calling it out at the line. You know, QB draw, QB draw, QB draw. Um, they, they had some really nice blocking. I think Brian Winters is the guy that was at the point of attack, made a really nice block. Uh, Allen powered his way into the end zone uh, for a touchdown there to make it 21-14. It was just a really, really well-designed little series there uh, at the goal line. It was just well done by Brian Dable 
Josh Allen and the rest of the folks. Uh, AJ Klein might be gone this week. The Bills can't save any money by cutting him. They could save money by trading him, but who would want the guy? He has been absolutely terrible this year. He's at least a step behind all over the place. And it was just another example. You know, if you go back and look at all of my takeaways articles for like the last month, you can just see me bashing AJ Klein. And I'm not normally like that. He's just in way over his head. And they use him so much that he's just, I mean, he's on display so much with his bad play. Um, in the second quarter, he was stiff-armed by James White, who gained 23 yards after evading Klein. You just the, the Bills brought in Darren Lee, a former first-rounder, to their practice squad this week. I just I don't see a way where they can keep putting AJ Klein on the field, in on the defense. Like he was supposed to come in and be that third linebacker, you know, a heady veteran, and he just he doesn't have the the intelligence and the wisdom to make up for the lost foot speed that he has. And it's just, it's not very good in coverage. It's not very good at all, really. I mean, they put Tyrell Dodson, a former undrafted free agent from a year ago, in ahead of him. And then Dodson himself got hurt um, as they've been trying to spell Matt Milano. I just, they've got Lee, they've got Andre Smith. I'd rather go with those guys right now. I just, I don't know how it could be a whole lot worse. And I know that seems fatalistic, but I want to... I just don't want to see AJ Klein on the field anymore. And I'm not usually like that. And finally, the AFC East is Buffalo's to lose. Now they're six and two Miami's four and three. So they're a game and a half up on the Miami dolphins in the AFC East. They've got a two game lead because they beat Miami earlier this year. Buffalo also owns a bunch of division tiebreakers, including uh, they've had four, division wins now and Miami can only get to four division wins. So even if Miami runs the table in the AFC East and the Bills lose to the Patriots and Dolphins down the stretch, uh, the Bills and Dolphins will be even at four and two in the division. So it's goes down to record versus common opponents after that. So that'll be a, a much longer list that we'll, I'm sure, get to over the course of the season if the Bills and Dolphins tighten in the division race. But Buffalo owns at least a share of the first two tiebreakers against the Dolphins. And so it's, you know, Buffalo's division to lose right now. They, um, if they just keep playing well, they can beat the teams on their schedule with losing records and get to like nine and seven at worst. Um, if they can beat the Dolphins on top of that, it's 10 and six and wins the division for sure. So I'm, very optimistic that the Bills are going to be able to to seal the deal on the AFC East. And um, this win was such a big win for that goal. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from that break, we'll start taking your questions. So don't go anywhere. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... 
You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, lots of questions about the defensive line this week, so let's get right to it. Sean Tracy asks us, am I completely off track in thinking Ed Oliver is too small to be a great defensive tackle? I think he would be better served on the end a couple pounds later, of course. I think Ed Oliver is designed to be a three-tech defensive tackle, and they asked him to play out of position for a bunch of weeks because the Bills didn't have a one-tech defensive tackle. Your one-tech defensive tackle are your big, fat guys. Star Latulale, Dontari Poe, uh, Delvin Tomlinson, guys we've talked about on this podcast you know, over the last couple weeks and years, really, with Latulale. Um, it's a guy that's going to eat space. He's going to eat blockers and keep the linebackers clean behind him. I don't know if Oliver has that kind of strength. I mean, he was asked to do it at Houston when he was in college, and he was kind of miscast doing that. I think he's much, much more effective when he can knife into the backfield like a Kyle Williams as opposed to trying to you know, bulk up and eat space and defenders and hold his ground. So I don't think he's too small to be a defensive tackle. I think he's too small to be a one-tech defensive tackle, to be your, you know, that classic nose tackle, Sam Adams type. Um, so I, that's one of the reasons I want the Bills to add one here at the trade deadline or in free agency. So it's a good question. I, I think he pushed the pocket really well several times this week against the New England Patriots. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's too small to play defensive tackle. I just think he's too small to play at that one tech spot. Thanks for the question, Sean. At Rumlings Q&A. Also there, uh, do you think the poor play on defense is because of the departure of key D linemen in the offseason? That question comes from Mick Process on Twitter. Um, I don't think that it's part of because of the departure of key defensive linemen this offseason. Um, specifically Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, I don't think the Bills are missing them too much. I think the guy that they're missing the most is Star Latulale, who's on the COVID-19 opt-out list. So if you want to call him a key departure this offseason, you can, but he's coming back next year. So I just, I don't typically refer to him as a departure. Um, they replaced Shaq Lawson with Mario Addison, which I think is an upgrade, uh, both in the run game and in uh, pass rush. They replaced Jordan Phillips with a couple guys, um, and maybe they they aren't great. And what I know one of them was out this week uh, against the Patriots. 
but I, I don't. I, they replaced those guys and got at least equal play out of them. So I wouldn't necessarily blame it on the departures because they filled those roles and they spent draft picks. They spent free agent money to replace those guys. Obviously, they're not getting the job done, but I don't think that Jordan Phillips was some awesome defensive tackle. Yeah, he had good sack numbers, but his pass rush win rate wasn't very good. He was just able to bring down the quarterback when he did win that. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't looked at his numbers yet, but we'll see him in a few weeks. I just don't think he's playing at the same level in Arizona. And Shaq Lawson has been hurt for Miami, uh, so hasn't been playing that well either. So I I don't really think that the departures have stunted this this Bills defense. I think part of it is the injuries to Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. They've had injuries riddle their cornerback section with Tredavious White, Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, Cam Lewis, all missing time. Uh, now they have Micah Hyde on the shelf with a concussion. They've had, just been dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of moving pieces. And the pass rush hasn't been getting home, uh, period. Uh, they really missed Star Latulule, as we've already talked about. So I, I, I don't think it's Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson that are causing this defense to regress. Thanks for your question at Rumlings Q&A on Twitter, McProcess. Ron from New Mexico. The defense consistently fails to keep contain or maintain their gaps. Multiple players are on the ground every run play, and no one is able to shed blocks. When is Frazier held accountable and fired? I don't think Leslie Frazier is going to be fired anytime soon. The Bills promoted him last offseason to assistant head coach. I don't think that's going to be a move that is made. I also don't think they're going to be replacing Eric Washington, their defensive line coach, anytime soon. They just hired him. He has defensive coordinator experience. Unless he gets another job somewhere else, I don't think that the Bills are going to move on from him. So, I mean, it's a good question. I don't know what the answer is. They haven't been playing well enough on the defensive line. They haven't maintained contain and gap integrity. But I don't think that it's Leslie Frazier's, you know, sword to fall on in this particular case. I think it's a lot of individual matchups that folks aren't winning. And I think you're way more likely to see them exchanging out personnel than you are to see them exchanging out coaches this offseason at that position. Thanks for your question, Ron, over on Twitter. Tim Wickham, why is Sean McDermott trying to sell the public he's pleased with A.J. Klein's play? Mainly because he doesn't have another choice. Um, if, if he goes in there and starts ripping A.J. Klein a new one in the media, you know, Klein and that locker room are probably not going to respond very well. McDermott and Brandon Bean and a whole bunch of other people inside this organization right now really like to pick and choose their spots to be critical of players. And almost exclusively when they're when they're targeting a player in their um, in their media hits, it's for effort or, you know, maybe it's like, uh, well, they need to do this one thing better. AJ Klein, if it's a lack of speed, it's not like Sean McDermott can light a fire under AJ Klein and make him run faster or make his feet quicker. You know, if he's lost a step as a linebacker, there's no way that Sean McDermott can motivate that back into him. So if if AJ Klein is busting his butt in practice and you know doing what he's supposed to be doing in the meeting rooms and it's just physically not able to do it anymore, there's no reason for McDermott to call him out in the press. There's reason for them to replace him but there's not a reason for them to call him out publicly. That's just my take from it. 
Um, I don't. You don't see Sean McDermott calling out players because they're not you know, tall enough or they're not fast enough. It's, it's just because it's a physical limitation and not something that Klein can control. It really needs to be addressed personnel-wise, not motivation-wise. Thanks for the qu- question, Tim. Sportsman1966 asks us, don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled to be 6-2, and two, but it feels like a very flawed 6-2. and two. Discuss. Well, look around the NFL, bud. Every team is flawed. The, the Buccaneers almost lost to the Giants yesterday on Monday Night Football. The Tennessee Titans lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Every team is flawed. Uh, the, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. Yeah. Even the Steelers, who are undefeated this year, are going to lose a game. They're, you know, they went right down to the wire against the Baltimore Ravens. You know, every team is flawed. And it's about overcoming those flaws and winning. And we saw that for years, decades, with the New England Patriots, that even when they had a flaw, they were able to overcome that and win the game and then win multiple games and win the division and win playoff games. It's about making fewer mistakes than the other team and overcoming those flaws. So, I mean, I've been trying to talk Bills fans off the ledge for a couple weeks now after the losses to the Titans and the Chiefs. Like, the Bills aren't contenders until they can beat those guys, but even those teams are flawed. And so if you look around the NFL as a whole, it's about winning despite those flaws, not completely eliminating those flaws. No team is unflawed. So just take some solace in that, I guess. Thanks for, I don't know, I guess it was, wasn't was a question, but it was more of a, a lob, as we call it in the biz, uh, asking me to discuss it. It's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A. As always, please get your questions in for next week's episode. You can give us a call, 716-508-0405. We haven't had a voicemail in a while, and it would be great to hear someone's voice other than mine on the podcast. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can email us, Rumblings at SBNation.com. Send us Facebook messages or Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings accounts, and those will get to me. There are plenty of ways to get in touch with the show, and you can send in your questions for next week's episode at any time. Thanks for listening. Go Bills. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.